All views and opinions expressed in this podcast may lead to learning. All information provided is for educational and developmental purposes only and is not intended to be a substitute for a growth mindset. Before taking action, please consult your motivation. This is the Teacher Talking Time Podcast. All right, everyone, welcome to episode six of the Teacher Talking Time Podcast for Learners, the Cult of Learning. I'm Leo, and today I am finally joined by Andrew on the podcast. What's going on? Hey, man, it's been a while. It has. This is my first appearance on the Cult of Learning, so I'm very excited to be here. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Before we jump and start talking about uh, our topic for today, Andrew, um, I wanted to remind everyone, if you are a listener of of the Teacher Talking Time podcast or the Cult of Learning, please don't forget to subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast platform. That could be Spotify, Apple, uh, Stitcher, Podbean, there's so Google many. Google Podcasts, all of all, basically any, anywhere that you can listen to music or to podcasts, <laughs> you will find our voices and our faces. That's right. And don't forget to subscribe to our channel on YouTube. Follow mm-hmm. us on Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter. I guess that's pretty much it. Are we on uh, Snapchat? <laughs> no. No, we're no. Not. I feel like we're too old for Snapchat. Or TikTok? I don't know. Not yet. Not yet. Not yet. Yep. And. Andrew, one more thing before we start. If you are a mm-hmm. language learner, don't forget to join our School of Learning. Quickly, can you tell us what the School of Learning is? Just a reminder. Absolutely. So the School of Learning is our online platform for easy, effective learning that's also affordable. So we have a platform with lessons for different needs. If you're studying for IELTS or you're going back to school and you're looking for academic English help, or you're just looking for English help in general, conversations, speaking strategies. So we have all of our lessons over there and we have a few now. We're continuing to build them, but that's at courses.learnyourenglish.net. And everything is only $10. So we try to make it affordable for everybody. And the School of Learning is only $5 that you pay only once, right? That's correct. So the actual School of Learning Mm -hmm. is uh, an ongoing learning experience. It's $5 for a lifetime. So we post lessons in there every week, listening lessons, video lessons, and you pay $5 only one time and you're in for life. And we also post our podcast episodes and some discussions and things in there as well. Sounds like a bargain to me. (laughs) That's my pitch. Five bucks. There it is. (laughs) Uh, All right. So today, Andrew, we're going to be... So I don't know if you remember this, but the last few episodes of the podcast, we talked about setting clear language learning goals. We talked about the seven Mm. C's of language learning. Do you remember what those are? I'm pretty sure. Oh, man. My memory is not very good. So now you're going to have to help refresh. Okay. So the first one is having a clear conception of what you want, a vivid vision. The second one is having strong or developing a strong confidence that you can actually attain that specific goal that you have um, set. The third one is having focused concentration. Um, I think number four was having a a stubborn consistency in in Mm -hmm. pursuing that specific vision. And then number five was an emotional commitment to the importance of what you're doing. And then the last two, which were the last episode, um, was developing a good character to guide you and keep you on the proper course of action. And 
The last one was capacity, which is this ability to enjoy the process along the way. Mm, that's a very important one, I yeah. think. I don't but, think we stick with things if we don't enjoy them. That's right. But I think what we're going to do today, I think we're going to kind of move away a little bit from that, but still keeping that in mind. But I would like us to really talk a little bit about reasons why people learn languages. But more mm. specifically, I would like us to personalize this by talking a little bit about our reasons for learning a language. Sure. Um, I don't know about you, but many people say they would love to learn to speak another language, but many people don't even start. Why, why do you think that is? <laughs> uh, I agree. Almost everyone, when you ask them, you know, uh, talking about a bucket list or things that right. they want to do before they die, I think almost everyone says, I want to learn this language or that language or another mm -hmm. language, right? Usually something more exotic to, to their own context. So for me, like learning Japanese would be the complete opposite of English, basically, right? right? But I think it's daunting. It's yeah. intimidating. It's hard. It's something that we cannot do in a day, in a week, in a mm -hmm. year, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm guilty of this. I'm sure you, I think everybody is. Like I live in Canada. You live in Canada. I've said for a long time that I want to learn to speak French oh. because I feel like as Canadian, I mean, there's this, you talked about myths in the earlier episodes of the cult right. of learning, right? And I think a big myth about Canada is that everybody is bilingual in English and French. And obviously that's not true. Um, most people are monolingual English or French, but rarely both. But I think that's kind of sad about our country. I, I wish everybody was bilingual um, in both official languages. So I've always said I wanted to learn French. I still say that that's true. And every now and then I buy some books. I still have, I'll go around my shelf. I have some books about French verbs and things. I flip through the pages for about a week. I become dedicated and then I forget about it. So it just, it's hard. It's you know, hard to stick to it. It's funny because you mentioned, um, I mean, in Canada, it's, we have, it's a bilingual culture. We have English and French. And as you were saying, like, we have this myth that everyone in Canada is bilingual. I actually believed that when I first moved here. Um, but there are many bilingual Canadians, but not English and French, other languages. Do you know the number of uh, English-French bilingualism in Canada? No. I, I actually no just idea. pulled the numbers here. 6.2 million people is the number of bilingual people in Canada. Wow. Yeah. And estimating Canada has about 40 million people. Yeah. So, okay. Yeah. Pretty low number, right? It's a very low number. It's a very low number. And I it's mean, just an experience. Uh, I mean, you know, you go to cities like Montreal and mm -hmm. most people speak English and French. You go to Ottawa, similar. But outside of those cities, not, not much, right? Yeah. And it's interesting because I remember when I was, I was teaching at a, at a school in Toronto and I had a couple of students from Quebec mm. coming to learn English in Toronto. And I thought that was just an, an odd experience because i'm like wait a second you live in canada the right. english is spoken here you don't have to go to a private school to learn english just go to but maybe Ottawa, you do or maybe you do yeah <laughs> i think well to go back to the question i think a lot of people are just put off perhaps because they don't really have very good memories of learning languages in school you probably learned mm. french in school well it's the joke right we we are taught french Yes, <laughs> but we do not learn French. Um, but although I again, I think that's that's too bad. And I wonder if our French experience is similar to a lot of people's English experience mm. in 
other you know in countries that don't speak english as a as a first language because it's a second language and mm-hmm. french is the mm-hmm. second language at least in the english-speaking part of canada yeah. and it's taught in school and in a very prescriptive way and it's here are the verbs conjugate them write them down yeah. and but also i mean when you when you leave the classroom here at least in ontario there's no you don't hear french you yes. don't speak french you don't interact with anybody speaking french so it's also quite difficult. So I think that's that's another reason why people maybe don't stick with it mm-hmm. is because there's other priorities and maybe it doesn't seem like a priority and it's mm-hmm. hard to, you know, human nature is yes. we like to do things that other people are doing. And if I don't see my friends doing it or using it or interacting with it, it's hard for me to do it as well. Yeah, this is why it's really important to have to belong to a community where we're learning languages or that specific group that you want to join um, actually is a group of people who are learning languages. And I think that would somehow motivate you um, a little more to actually learn the language. But I guess you said, I think it's people have bad memories of learning a language at school. I had a really bad experience learning Spanish in school and I decided mm. not to learn Spanish that way. What um, happened? It was just it was just really a lot of as you said a lot of grammar translation. It was just reading texts, answering comprehension questions, conjugating verbs. I mean, as you said earlier, there is a lot of teaching happening but very little learning occurring. And I think that's I the problem it, yeah. with language teaching. It's interesting. I mean, it's more, I think it's more complicated than that because when we learn French, we're kids, you know? And I don't think as kids you understand the value. And I think if you talk to any adult who grew up in Canada, they would say they regret not focusing on French mm-hmm. when they were younger because they had the opportunity. And, and now it's kind of lost, even though that's mm-hmm. not true. But even that poor French experience of mine in, in high school and elementary school, it helped me when I did learn Spanish on my own mm-hmm. as an adult because the languages are similar in terms of right. their construction. They're romantic languages, lots of verb conjugations, regular verbs, irregular verbs, all these types of things. So um, I think that experience did help me when I actually did go ahead and learn a second language. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about okay. that. Um, but one of the things I wanted to add here is probably, um, I think it has to do with, with how we actually learn languages in school. I think that's, that's part of the problem is that how did we conclude that the best way for us to prepare children for the future is to cluster them into a classroom that, where they are organized by age into grades and forced to learn the same thing the same way at the same time at the same pace, seven hours a day, five days a week for 12 years. Like, how did we get to that conclusion? How did we get to the conclusion that the best way for you to learn French or any foreign language is by memorizing these grammatical rules? And I think that's the problem. I think the way education exists, the way education is being traditionally done, which is very traditional, is not very much in line with the changes that we have experienced in our society and the way people learn today. I think, as you said, we were talking about this earlier. Um, before we started recording, um, I think I think there are many different ways of learning, and I don't think you need to be going to the classroom to specifically learn a language. Sure, we talked about that in in previous podcasts. The myths of of learning, like you can learn without a teacher, you can learn without a textbook, right? It just has to be a priority, I think, yes. and it needs to be something that you can see yourself doing. I mean, I anyone can. I mean, 
during COVID times here. We're mm-hmm. all kind of learning new skills. And but if you don't see yourself, or if I don't see myself actually using it or having value in my life, you mm-hmm. know, you have interest for a couple of days and then it goes away because well, yeah. I'm not really going to use this, right? So that's a problem. But your your kids are in French immersion school, right? Yeah, they are. Um, Do you see how is how is their learning process? Or if their French is better, is that because of that environment or just because they are more motivated just as people? I think the only reason why my kids are doing well in French school is because they speak French with their mother. Mm. They, have, they have that motivation. They have someone, they have a model to talk to, That's someone important. who would who would reverberate or say things back to them or correct them. So they have that. But now imagine a student who... Let's, let's use an example of an immigrant here. Let's imagine a student who goes to English class, but when he goes back home, they, their parents only speak their, foreign, the, the, the mother, the mother, their mother tongue. Mm-hmm. Right? They don't have that enough exposure. They don't have enough use. The only use they have is in the classroom. But kids learn languages much faster than adults. The True. problem with adults is that they would only use the language in the classroom, but they would use <laughs> the language. Um, True. Adults have more responsibilities, more things going on in their life, right? So it's easy mm-hmm. to kind of set it aside. Yeah. Um, I think there's, I, there's lots of ways, lots of problems with learning languages, lots of reasons why we don't do it. What I was going to add to that is I think learning to unlearn is the new, oh. is the new uh, norm <laughs> for, for, for me, if you ask me. I think we have, because I was thinking about this, Andrew, there are a lot of bad habits, a lot of a lot of things that we were programmed to think in school that I think are not very helpful when we age, as we adult. Let's use adult here as a verb. Like, for okay. example, in school, you are not taught to make mistakes. You are taught to fear mistakes. Mm. Right? So you have to unlearn that. And, if you, and you know this, if you want to learn a language, you really have to embrace mistakes. Oh, my God. Yes, you do. I mean... This is not relevant per se, but I, I don't know if you saw a few days, I think it was last week, uh, Ken Robinson passed away. Yes. And oh, he the, has that, you know, the, basically, I think the most watched TED Talk of all time. Yeah, what is it called? Uh, schools are I've, killing creativity. Schools or? are killing creativity. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I mean, basically, he just says that everyone is born creative and we educate it out of kids <laughs> yeah. as they go through yeah. The so school true. process. That's basically a, a very short synopsis of what he says. And unfortunately, I think that's, that's mostly true. And the kids that go against that grain are the ones that can continue with their creativity. But mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it's unfortunate. But there are also good reasons to learn a language too, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, this is what we're going to talk about. Like when making a decision to, to learn a language, what would be an important question to ask yourself? Hmm. That's a, that is a good question. I mean, I think learning a language, not just for the language's sake, right? So mm-hmm. what other benefits yeah. can I get from this? Because like anything, when you learn to ride a bicycle or learn to cook or learn to do anything, okay, maybe I want to commute to work on a bike. Maybe mm-hmm. I need, I'm hungry and I need to eat. But there are other skills and other values mm-hmm. in doing those things as well. Oh, so you're when I learned, saying, mm-hmm. So basically what you're saying is you need to find a way to connect this learning experience to some sort of uh, return of, uh, of investment. Like if you're think, investing yeah. all this time into learning a language, what are you going to get in return from that? Is exactly. that what you're trying to say? Kind of. And I think learning a language is such a big mm. umbrella, we call it umbrella term. Like mm. There are so many things in that. 
but think about what you like. I, mean, I like philosophy. I know you like philosophy. Mm -hmm. So why not start to learn a language so that I can read and talk about philosophy, mm -hmm. something that I already like in another topic. I don't care about science or, you know, um, geology per se. Mm -hmm. So I, it's not gonna, I'm not going to add that to my list of things that I need to talk about in a foreign language or a second language. So I think talking about your our interests that you already have in another language is something that would be motivating for me. Interesting. So basically you have to find, I think one question to ask yourself then would be, what is something that I'm interested in? Like, what are my interests? What are things that I want to learn? And then perhaps you make your learning experience connected to that. So for example, um, I have a student of mine who basically learned English just by reading philosophy books, just by reading right. physics books in English, because that was his, or those were his, his passions, his interests. So I think we don't do a lot of this. We are not, we're not really taught um, how to learn. And it goes back to what you were saying, things that we need to unlearn in school is like <laughs> waiting. For, we always, I, you've probably experienced this, Andrew, because you're in the classroom as much as I am. Students are always waiting for instructions. Yes. They never take initiative. And, we're, and I think a lot of that eventually um, spills over into, into our adult lives. We are always waiting for instructions. Nobody takes initiative. It's, I don't know. If it, it's not students. It's just people. That's, mm -hmm. what, that's what we are, right? That's what we are trained to wait for. I, I have to wait for my instruction, but who's <laughs> going to give the instructions? And sometimes it never comes, and then we, nobody does anything. Uh, <laughs> so that's uh, yeah i mean um uh, and if you ask students i guess anybody you know what do you want to do today what do you want to learn today usually an answer doesn't come back oh, i don't know i'm not sure i don't know right so i think if you're learning a language or learning anything mm. asking yourself what and why is important because it's, it's unlikely to learn everything about something so being able to narrow it down, be more specific. If you're learning English, okay, what are you interested in? What, what skills, what mm -hmm. outcomes do you want? Maybe you're going on a trip, not right now, obviously, but or maybe you're going to study in a university, or maybe you're moving countries, or maybe you're dating somebody or getting mm -hmm. married to somebody mm -hmm. whose first language isn't the same as yours, and, and you want to. And within that, yeah. you can narrow down how you want to improve. And then the cycle and the habits start to form yes. and very quickly those will move to other aspects of the language as well. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I think there's a lot of a lot of learning to unlearn, I guess. And one of like we said fearing mistakes, uh waiting for for instructions from the teacher. And I think I was as you were as you were speaking, I was just thinking about something else. We were never we were never taught learning techniques. We were never taught mm -hmm. learning how to learn. We were only taught to remember facts. We think that remembering facts is the best way to learn. And this is why I think, Andrew, a lot of, a lot of language learning is still um, hung up on this idea of this is what the present perfect is. This is like we're still talking about the language, but we're not really letting students understand that the best way to learn is by actually thinking, how do I learn? What do I want to learn? And how can I learn that my yes. way without waiting for those instructions? I. Uh... You made me think now. I majored in history in university. Go figure, right? <laughs> and why history? You, I I like it. I think it's very interesting. Okay, you but, read *Sapiens*, right? Oh yeah. Oh, that, oh. You see, that book made me 
it reminded me of my history classes. And I'm like, I can't believe I never learned this in history. I know. Because we are only taught to remember facts. Dates. Yes. Who cares about that? So that's my memory of, of studying, even in high school, like uh. studying for history tests where you have pages and pages and pages of information about this war and that war and this person and that person. And you just, or I just memorized it so you could kind of do well on the test. But now I'm thinking, why not get rid of 80% of it, focus on a couple of things and actually talk about it? Because how do people remember things is when they use it, is when they have discussions, when it adds meaning to them. And then we can take it in directions that are more meaningful for us. So it's not language learning, it's just learning. If you want to study history, let's have group discussions and let's read a chapter of, of sapiens for example and then let's talk about it yeah. and let's go, so using is really important yeah no i i as you were as you were speaking i was thinking um there is a show on netflix it's with that kid from disney what's his name the cute guy what's his name um what is his name the the one with me the six pack. uh he goes to costa rica so i can't remember oh zach right efron now. zach efron well oh, thank yeah. you how could i forget his name i really don't care about celebs but anyway <laughs> there is an episode i like that sh- that show actually. It's, it's great it's really good have you seen the episode where they go to costa rica i have oh I have. do you remember the school in costa rica no yes. homework problem-based learning the students so i love the idea that each one teach one so basically there are no grades there are mm-hmm. no no levels and students basically research things that they're interested in and they teach each other. And it I does was... have a little bit of a kumbaya feeling to it. Right. But yeah, there are there <laughs> You're gonna there have to person. explain to our listeners what a kumbaya. <laughs> what a kumbaya. Uh, like a a, a feel good, um, maybe it sounds better than what it really is type of situation. Right. But the principle I think is interesting. But yeah. I mean, the, the, there's a word that we use a lot. It's called being cynical. Uh, and to be cynical is always to kind of look at the, the negative side of a neutral situation. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people say the the purpose of education is just to train people to do the jobs that already exist. Yes. Right? So if we flip education around and just let people do whatever they want, we won't have any more accountants and lawyers and doctors and whatever i don't think that's actually true but i think a lot of people design education so that people fit into certain boxes right Mm -hmm. which is another problem of course yeah i was just thinking about what you said a four-year degree used to be a guarantee for a great career right but now Mm. it's it's barely barely a foot in the door (laughs) it's the there's a term that i've heard it's been used a lot in the last few years it's academic inflation where Basically, if we think about our parents, or let's start even our grandparents. So our grandparents, if you graduated from high school, you were different than most people, Mm -hmm. right? Maybe our parents, if you have a bachelor's degree, you were different than a lot of different people. Right. But now for us, basically, even if you have a master's now, most people, a lot of people have master's degrees. You kind of have to do a second master's or even a PhD to separate yourself. And that's the academic inflation where you're not necessarily learning more or getting better at something. You're just getting more degrees so that you separate yourself from other people. And the the fact of the matter is a lot of these people with masters and PhDs, they can't find jobs because what happens is they become overqualified for all the positions. 
Yeah, this is interesting. And I think I, you have to balance it by working at the same time as mm -hmm. doing your, your postgraduate studies. Because yeah. if you have a PhD and you're 30 years old, that's amazing. But that yeah. basically means you've never worked interesting. for a yeah. lot of your 20s. Maybe not, right? But it takes a long time to, to finish those degrees. So if you do a bachelor's, a master's, and a PhD, that's what, 12 years of study? Yeah. If you're 18, 28, 30, you know, that's... It's a long time. I was talking to a friend about that is like technology has really transformed how we access information. Mm. But instead of making us all geniuses, most people are mostly wasting their time looking at funny videos of cats on YouTube. Not that that's not worthwhile. No, no, there's nothing wrong with that. But <laughs> what I'm saying is, instead of, I think what we should be asking everyone here who is listening to this podcast is instead of going back to school and learning those hard skills to get into a new career or perhaps even make mm -hmm. yourself indispensable um, in your current work, I think perhaps what we should people what people should be doing is they should be learning more. Um, they should be developing an aggressive self-directed learning because to me, and I love this idea of self-directed because it's you're not waiting, going back to what we said, you're not waiting for instructions. You're not waiting for, your, for the material. You're, a bit, you're not waiting to pay for those expensive tuitions and those profs. You are taking back the control. In this case, aggressive means instead of spending four years learning something without getting um, great at it, you can actually use your time and effort in a more directed way and learning with all the information that we have on the internet. So if you were to ask me, I think a good course would be a course where you teach people how to curate information to learn something in the right way, in the deep way. Wow. I like that. I like yeah. that. And that's basically what all schools are, is you, you pay money so that they can give you a path or a plan of how yes. to learn. But if we train ourselves to set up our own path, mm -hmm. uh, we negate the necessary the necessity of of mm. that which is very interesting and i was thinking about um, that andrew why does it feel like a lot of what we learn in school is useless i don't know it's a good i mean i always people ask me that all the time in high school i i dropped math and science once i learned i didn't need to take it to get into university and they mm -hmm. say well what are you going to do with art and music you're never going to use that in real life but guess right. what i haven't really used math in real life either so <laughs> it's, i saw it's, a girl it's one. hard my daughter showed me a, a, a TikTok video of this girl basically saying like, who the hell invented um, math? Or, or uh, what was the other subject? The more complex math one? Uh, calculus or no statistics calculus. or something? No, there was another one. Something like that. Anyway, it's just like, when are we going to use this in life? It's the same thing with history. Why go to class to learn about World War II when you can just watch a YouTube video that summarizes everything in 10 minutes. <laughs> and all you're doing is, is memorizing all this information. I think well, we, we is, don't know what people need in their life. Yeah. Maybe they don't even know what they need in their life. That's, yeah. that's the problem, right? But I know we're going to talk about yes. our reasons for yes, wanting to reasons. learn a language. Yeah. But maybe let's take a quick pause, take a quick break. We'll come back. We'll talk about motivation, language, habits, and, and maybe our quick crash course on how to create your own learning path. Let's take a quick break. We'll be right back. I studied English in a classroom for years, but felt I was not improving and not having fun either. I did not know how to learn a language. Then I found the Learn Your English online membership. My name is Victor and I am an LYE member. 
This membership is for people who are passionate about learning English in their own way. These are not classes. This is learning outside of the classroom. We learn by participating in activities just for us, effective and fun. The special thing about the community is that the teachers will do anything they can to find the best way for you to learn. In my case, it has been through philosophy, psychology and life in general. From readings and podcasts to meaningful conversations. Head over to the Learn Your English website for all the details. That is learnyourenglish.com. Ready to take control of your learning? Join me today in the Learn Your English student community. Hey, what's up, guys? This is Alex, and I'm from China. And now you're listening to Teacher Talking Time, the Learn Your English podcast. Okay, so we're back here, Andrew.、Um, one of the questions we asked before the break was when making a decision to learn a language, what is an important question to ask yourself? We didn't really come up with, a, with an answer for this, but <laughs> no, I think we got distracted. That's right. But I think we can think about good reasons and perhaps, I don't like to say bad, but there are some bad reasons for learning a language. So, examples of good reasons for me, I was thinking about this, is,、um, and this happened to me when I was learning German. I fell in love with someone. A German woman.、Oh. Yeah, so、uh, eventually decided to start learning German. The problem with that is that <laughs> once the flame <laughs> extinguished, extinguished, is extinguished or is put out,、uh, my motivation to learn the language also went down the drain. So, so your motivation wasn't the language itself? No, it wasn't. Okay. It wasn't. But I think that's more... very common. Yeah. I mean, language is a vehicle to communicate and、yes. communicate with people that. We want to communicate with. So that、mm. could be family, it could be romantic, it could be friendships. Yes. It could be like in my example, Spanish.、Mm. I moved to Costa Rica without speaking any Spanish. Right.、Uh, which was challenging, but a blessing. And I, w- I wanted to learn because I needed to, to function in、right. the society when, when they didn't speak much English, at least in, in where I was living.、Mm-hmm. So,、mm-hmm. yeah. I was even thinking about my parents, who, my mom specifically, my dad, not so much, but elderly people. Right, who are learning languages because they want to, as you said, communication. They want to connect with their g- grandchildren. My kids don't、right. speak any Portuguese. My parents don't speak any English. So my mother started learning English at age 65. Really? So what is she doing? She's doing well. She's, she's、yeah. very hard on herself. She's like, oh, I, made a lot, I make a lot of mistakes. I'm like, you have to unlearn that because making mistakes、um, is a good thing. It's a good thing. As you said, falling in love with a city.、Um, My partner fell in love with Paris and now she just wants to learn French. Beautiful. Be able to go back there and visit and order food and things like that. In your case, some people just simply love learning languages.、Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, even just watching foreign films, you know,、mm-hmm. there's a lot of films, obviously non Hollywood films that are really, really good.、Yeah. And they're in different languages. And if I don't know if you would start, if I would start learning a language just to watch a film, but if I'm kind of. Playing around with the、right. French language, I would be very interested in checking out some really good French cinema、mm-hmm. in order to,、uh, to help me、uh, move along. And I mean, again, language is not binary. It's not, I want to、yeah. learn the words of a language. I want to, ex- language is culture, right? So、yeah. you want to experience the culture、mm-hmm. of a language and film, music,、yeah. people are all part of that. And there are the bad reasons, Andrew. Are there、yeah. any bad reasons for learning a language, you think? I don't know if there are bad reasons because I think learning languages is good, but I think you know, forcing people to learn when they don't want to is bad、mm-hmm. because that might ruin their view of languages、mm-hmm. for you know, down the road in the future if、yeah. they are more interested in learning languages later 
So I think it for me, it's just forcing it on people that don't want it. Yeah. Well, I was, I was thinking of back to my high school years. Um, and I remember I had a lot of friends who in high school, you had to choose between Spanish or English. Mm-hmm. And a lot of my friends chose Spanish because Spanish is more similar to Portuguese. Right. So, so I think that's a bad reason to choose a language. I'm going to choose Spanish over English because, because it's, it's supposed to be easier. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but then, but then again, you're not really enjoying learning. You're just doing that because it's a shortcut to finishing high school. Because again, going back to to the culture that we 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 cultivate in in uh, in high school right. is just that we just want to pass, mm-hmm. and that's bad. And that's just bad. Fair enough, though. I mean, there's so much going on in high school, and there's so many subjects and so much homework. I mean, I understand the feeling of just wanting to pass. So mm-hmm. we need less work. Yeah, less work, more learning. That's what we need. Yes, yes. Less certainty, more inquiry. Yeah, I think Ooh, there's... And the, the last thing I was thinking is a, a lack of identification with, with the people who speak the language or even the culture. And mm-hmm. I felt that way with, with German. When I was learning German, I only spent six months learning the language. I didn't really identify with the culture. There's nothing wrong with German culture. I just didn't really connect right. with um, Or even the culture. I just didn't really... My motivation was just to communicate with that one person. And I think, Andrew, that's another reason why motivation works well only in the short term. Mm -hmm. Interesting. I think there are bad reasons to not learn a language. Okay. Can you give us one or two? Yeah. So, I mean, living abroad, I lived in Costa Rica and there was, there's obviously a a lot of what are called expats or Mm -hmm. a lot of uh, North American, British people who have either retired or moved there or started businesses there or whatever the case may be. And, you know, I came across quite a few of them who have lived there for 10, 20, sometimes 30 years and didn't know a word of Spanish. Mm. And most of the time when I asked them, they just said, well, people here speak English, so I don't need to learn Spanish. So I think, and that's, that was so sad to me to Mm -hmm. hear that because you're not even trying to connect with the culture in that way. You're not trying to get into it and you just think, you know, you have your language that they speak. Okay, great, but they've learned something. Don't you, I guess there's no passion for learning there. I don't know. It just made me a little bit sad. I think you you just touched the, the raw nerve right there. I think it's a lack of passion for learning. I think, I don't know if, when we were talking about our older generations, there are some people, I mean, I look at my parents, like my mom, my dad, for example, my dad doesn't want to learn a new language. And I was thinking, mm-hmm. you're retired. That would be such a great way to keep your, your, your brain functioning. I was actually, you're talking about good reasons for not, not good reasons for learning a language. One would be your mental health mm-hmm. because you're going to be using your brain. You're going to be connecting new, new pathways in your mind when you are learning a new language. So Honestly, I think learning a new language is actually good for your health. It's just fun, right? Yeah. It's yeah. fun. There's another TED Talk called The Four Reasons to Learn a New Language. And it's a, it's a really good one. I use it a lot. And this, I won't say the four reasons because... We'll add that to the show notes then. Yeah. yeah. It's a good one. It's a yeah, good one. It's a good one. Um, um, yeah. So you said motivation, right? Yes. So motivation is temporary. But yes. you have, we have another thing that we want to talk about, which is the word discipline. So yes. maybe you can walk us through the differences that you think yeah. exist in those two words. I was thinking about this. Um, I said earlier, motivation works really well in the short term, right? Um, if, you're, if you're motivated to learn a language, I think you, even going to the gym, you're going to be motivated for the first month. 
if you, you think set it's because goal, because there's a goal yes because you're setting a new goal and you can probably i'm going to use here a, a, a devilish metaphor you can sum up the motivation devil and you can do it for like a week or two you can go to the gym every single day and if the goal is extremely important that motivation may even carry you um uninterrupted for maybe a month and we all know this I'll, we know this from uh from uh, uh, what we talked about, this idea of, uh, what was it, the thing in January that people do? Um, we talked about this in a New Year's resolution. New Year's resolution. Yeah. By, by February, <laughs> what happens? <laughs> it's all over. Yeah, motivation wears off, right? So if your goal, which is learning a language, takes more than a month or two, you're going right. to need more gas. You're going to need more than just motivation. And this is what we're trying to argue here, is that you're going to need habits. And habits equate discipline but the question then andrew is you have to make learning a language or language learning a habit not a chore so you have to put in the time you have to put in the work you have to put in the effort make it a habit what's the difference between a habit and a chore they sound mm. very similar to me mm. i would say that a They're both something that you do frequently right yes yes i think a chore when i think about a chore I always think about an, an unpleasant but mm. necessary task. For example? For example, doing the laundry. <laughs> that is a chore to me. But reading, reading, um, reading is not a chore. Reading is a habit because it's, it's a routine task. So they have the, if we're looking at the definition, a chore is something that you do every day. It's a routine task. But to me, a chore has a negative connotation mm -hmm. is more unpleasant but necessary whereas a habit is just something that really gets you closer to something that you want to do so i think building habits is great because they in a way perhaps translate that short-term motivation into something that will last much longer so, so habits are only enjoyable no i think you eventually andrew i think you eventually that habit becomes part of your routine, becomes part of your life, and you eventually enjoy it. And this is why you deliberately made it a habit. Like, I'll give you an example, running. I started. I was just going to say, I was just going to say, you, or at least you enjoy the unenjoyment. Yes. Interesting. <laughs> Very good way of putting it. Right? That's it. <laughs> when I started running, the first two weeks, I hated it. I Same. was like, oh, I'm in a lot of pain. But after that, I just, I went from struggling to just doing it without even thinking. At 5.30, my body automatically knew it is time to do it. I think running or exercise is the perfect example for this mm -hmm. because you're never going to see any results in the short term yes. with exercise, mm -hmm. within reason, right? Mm -hmm. It takes weeks and months of doing the same thing, showing up every day. Yes, showing so, up. I think that's very similar with language. You're mm -hmm. not going to improve your language in a week or a month. It's going to take months and obviously years to yeah. see big differences. So yeah. I think that's a really good analogy or example there. And and a lot of people are, a lot of companies, a lot of English schools, a lot of influencers, a lot of YouTubers, they prey on people who are very uh, result oriented. Because they sell people this idea that mm -hmm. you can pick up a language effortlessly or learn a language or be fluent in three months. The fact of the matter is, and let's be honest here, no bullshit, 
it will take you a lot of time. And you know this because you've learned Spanish. Um, I've learned English, Spanish. Commitment, it takes a lot of regular and more importantly, a lot of deliberate, deliberate practice. But in the end, Andrew, I would say, and you probably can, can um, speak to this, it's extremely re rewarding. It's an achievement that you will feel so proud of. Because you're like, you have wow. to have mic micro goals, right? Yes. You can't say, okay, I, I want to learn French. I'm starting from zero. And mm -hmm. in six months, I want to be fluent. Like you're just setting yourself up for a disappointment, mm -hmm. right? So you start learning French or I can start learning French. And I say in three weeks, I want to have mastered um, how to introduce myself mm -hmm. to somebody. Yeah. Right. And that's it. And to say what my name is, where I'm from and what I do and to ask them the same thing. And for three weeks. That's all I'm going to do. Yeah. And then I've got that. And then the next three weeks, I set another goal mm -hmm. for myself because it's the only way to do it. If you say yeah. in six months, I want to have everything. It's how do you study everything and learn everything at the same time? That's you it. can't. So, so micro, it's, it's, micro goals. Yeah, I like that because I was thinking about this, this idea of micro goals. Micro goals eventually become part of your habit. You have a daily habit. And I was thinking about this. Like the promise of habits is that this initial investment in effort will create a stable system because I mm -hmm. think that's what we want. You want to have a system because when you don't have motivation, the system is in place and you will do whatever you're required to do. Because even days that I don't want to run, I still go for a run. Why? Because I have the system. And it reminds me of Jerry Seinfeld, who talks a lot about the chain. Are you familiar with the chain where yes. he basically has the, the calendar, the axis, mm -hmm. and he, every day he would write a joke. And he said, in a month, I would have maybe one or two good jokes out of like <laughs> 30. So he wrote 30 jokes, but one or two are good. It's the same thing with writing as well. Like if you mm -hmm. want to become a better writer, you just have to start putting in the work every day. And, and again, but how can we make... Um, language it's like learning anything. a habit yeah yeah because uh, i went for a run this morning before mm. we did the show it sucked like i felt terrible but oh it's even if i'm in a bad like my body is not feeling it i still at least go for a walk or mm -hmm. a fast walk or a short run because you just it's the habit you got to keep yourself in yeah. the habit of of doing it yeah and i think it's from this book the subtle art of not giving a fuck by mark manson there's uh. a, a a quote that i always remember because i think it's there he says you don't wait for motivation before you do something. Uh, you do something and then motivation comes. I like that. Right? I like that. Because if you wait to be motivated, you'll be waiting forever. Interesting. Yeah. And, and it goes back to, I don't remember who said this. I think it was Scott Young. He's a, really, he's a really good guy too. He talks about that action. I think he said this. Action requires two kinds of effort in order for it to get done. It, it, there is like what he calls an intrinsic effort that depends mm. on the action and an effort to decide whether or not to execute that action. So oh. habits modify the first one. But the main reason the habits work is because they eliminate the second type of effort, which is like, should I do it or should I not do it? No, if you start doing it, there's no option. There's no, no option. option. That's it. Because I think <laughs> that's when we become paralyzed. Is we are always questioning, oh, should I do this or should I not do this? I don't feel like it right now. Yeah. But for running, you'll never feel like it. It's no, never going to happen. It's never, you're never going to feel like it. But <laughs> like you said, if you execute the action, you eliminate the second type of effort. And I think that's so good. Like right. applying this to language learning, Andrew, would be the goal of reading a book 
So you decide to make that a habit. In this mm -hmm. case, looking at the intrinsic effort and, and the action to, to execute the, uh, and, and the, the decision, the effort to decide whether or not to execute the action. When you decide you need to read at least five pages a day to meet that's your it. goal, that's it. You're not going to. That's the micro goal. That's the micro goal, right? So every time you're reading the book, you're investing in these two kinds of, of, of effort. There's the effort of reading. And then there's the effort of like, well, depending on how difficult this book is, it might require a lot of effort or zero mm -hmm. effort. Right. right? Um, okay. So yeah. habits are important for learning, for language mm -hmm. learning. But let's get to the end of the show here, Leo, and give some tips. Yes. So how, how, can, we, how can we form these habits? How can we, you know, everybody has habits. And we don't even realize that they are habits, right? Because mm -hmm. we just do them all the time. And I have yeah. coffee every morning and I don't really think about it. I just no, go and just... I make coffee and yeah. I start drinking it. Yeah. But that's already a habit that I have. So if I want to form a new habit and I want to get into the habit of language learning, reading every day, for example, writing every day, or writing about what I read even mm -hmm. better, yeah. how, what tips do we have to help people start well, doing that? Let's, um, I mean, you've read, I think we both like this book, James Clear's um, Atomic Habits. Oh, yes. He, he talks a lot about this idea that if you want to really form habits, you must uh, follow four laws of behavior change, according to him. It's like the number one, you have to make it obvious. So, for example, um, if you want to eat more fruit, don't hide the fruits in your fridge. Put them <laughs> on display like in front of the center. It's the same thing with, with, with language learning. Is like, if you want to practice writing, you should have your notebook on your desk visible. So every day you see it, it's there. But if your notebook is hidden in your chest drawer or in the basement, I mean, you're not going to be able to. It's an extra step. You have to go <laughs> downstairs. Yes. Up. But if, if you make it obvious, then I think you can... Uh, Okay, so number one, make it obvious. Putting That's it right, right in front of yourself, basically, yeah. right? Yes. Okay, yeah. make what's it, another one? Make it attractive. Mm. Yeah. For example, I decided to start eating food again for after being carnivore for a long time. I was like, I want okay. to experiment. So Good. I'm not going to start eating kiwi because I don't really like kiwi that much. Really? So, no. Mm. But, I, but I have to develop the taste. So, but you should start with the fruit you like the most. Sure. So you will actually sure, want sure. to eat one when you see it. So if I see a mango, I'm like, oh, I kind of want to eat that mango. Oh, yeah, yeah. So if you don't like studying grammar, don't start with grammar. What do God. you like? What do you like learning a language? Well, I like watching. I like listening. I like listening. So when I'm, li I li I'm listening to podcasts in Spanish. So mm -hmm. in order for me to, the first step for me to get back on my Spanish language learning experience is to actually Start with something that I enjoy. I enjoy listening to people talking and paying attention to the language that they use. That's how I make language learning. It doesn't even have to be that complicated, right? Like I used to watch Mexican Sports Center. That's what I ESPN in Spanish. That's right, because I like sports, and yeah. you already have the associ I have the association in English of what people yeah. talk about: soccer highlights, basketball highlights, yeah. baseball, whatever. And then you listen to them, and it was really actually helpful to to help my listening and comprehension skills. Listen, yeah. so it can be, with the internet, it literally can be anything. That's it. I think this is a really good point, Andrew, because 
you you follow sports in English, so you're just basically mm-hmm. doing the same thing in Spanish, and you can basically watch the same news that you've watched in English. You're just watching it in Spanish and training your brain to make those associations. That's great. Mm-hmm. It's a good start for books as well. If you don't feel like you're ready to read a book in English yes. right away, read one in English that you've already read in your own language, because yes. then you can yes. make those connections, make those associations. Same thing applies to movies. If you've seen yep. a movie in mm-hmm. your language, watch that movie in English. Yeah. So the third Absolutely. one. Absolutely. The third one is make it easy. Yes. And that sounds so simple, but yeah. it's more complicated than that. How do we make it easy, Leo? I was thinking about the fruit example. Don't mm-hmm. create needless friction. Let's talk about friction because, okay. um, like, for example, <laughs> I was thinking about bananas. <laughs> bananas are very easy to eat. You just sure. peel them off and you're ready to eat. Mangoes, on the other hand, oh. there, there's, there are a lot more steps and I have to... I don't buy mangoes because I still don't know how to cut one. I can't yeah. cut a mango. So can't do it. So that's the problem with mangoes. You you have like if you were to choose between a mango and a banana, Andrew, which one would you? Go? Banana. Why? Because mango it tastes better, but it's too much work. That's it. So for you to develop, to, for you to form a habit, you have to create, um, make it easy. Basically, no friction. Focusing on things that are not difficult to do, things that are hard to do, but things that are easy. So for example, bananas and apple. Apples are super easy to eat. You can just wash your apple and you take a bite. That's it. But mm-hmm. a mango, oof, you have to wash the mango, cut it up, and then you have to. I do a, a for me, it's like a four step process to eating a mango. So, too many <laughs> steps will eventually. Too many steps is also really, yeah. that's an important one, right? For me, yeah. for running in the morning, or sometimes I go on my bike and whatever, it's just, it's the first thing I do in the morning. I, it starts the night mm-hmm. before. I set my alarm yes. for a time. Because even now, I mean, it's a pretty good habit that I have. But even now, I'm like, ah, oh, should I set it for tomorrow? Well, I'll just mm-hmm. wake up on my own and do it. No, no, because that's never going to happen, right? Yeah. No, don't give yourself the option. So make it easy by setting your alarm, waking up. Yeah. It's the first thing you do on my calendar. Have your shoes and then already. Have my shoes ready. Yeah. Shorts are there. Yeah. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. That's it. And the number four is make it satisfying. Mm. Yes. I think that has to do with the seventh the seventh C in the seven C's of learning a language or setting language goals, capacity yeah. to enjoy the, the process along the way. So if you like the fruit you've, you've bought, you've picked, you will love eating it and you will feel healthier as a result. So it's the you same have to thing. Enjoy with, it. Yeah. So instead of watching a Ted talk where uh, that was, you know, sent to you by your prof or your teacher, and it's a really boring Ted talk, you're not going to enjoy it. Like <laughs> that TED talk that we, we used in one of our classes once because that was a part of the curriculum and the students mm-hmm. hated it. We didn't like it, let alone the students. So find something that you enjoy. Like if you like, if you like in the Michelle Obama podcast, if you like Michelle mm-hmm. Obama as a person and you want to improve your listening, that's the best way to make it satisfying. Absolutely. Right. Having said that, mm. there's also, I think, merits or positives in doing things that you don't really like. Mm-hmm. Because eventually, as an adult, you always have to do things that maybe we don't want to do, right? So, uh, in the book, James Clear also talks about something that's called habit stacking, ah, I like which that. is either doing two things at the same time or doing the thing that you don't really want to do before the thing that you enjoy. Yes. Let's think of an so, example for that. Sure. So I, I love coffee. I love drinking coffee. And drinking coffee is something that you can do while you do something else. So I can either say every morning when I have my morning coffee, I'm going to do this activity that 
I want to start making a habit, but isn't quite something that I really like doing.、Mm-hmm. For example, doing some writing. Right. Or reading a book because you can read a book, you can write as you sip your coffee. If、yeah. it's two things that you cannot do at the same time, give the enjoyable habit that becomes the reward. I can't、yeah. have any coffee until I finish my thirty minutes of journaling of writing、mm-hmm. in the morning, and then you look forward to doing the thing that you want to do. That's kind of you actually just basically summarize what I do with my journaling. <laughs> I I reward myself with coffee after I finish journaling. So I force myself to write every morning for twenty minutes, and then what I do after is okay. Now it's time for my cup. Good. The other tip is、uh, he talks about in the book, but again, it's our favorite quote. I think from our friend George Pickering、mm. when he says that when are you going to do this?、Yes. Some day is not a day of the week. Yes. Right. And this happens with a lot of our students that we talk to as well.、Uh, everyone usually is on board with making a schedule. Oh, I need to. Read for thirty minutes every day. Okay, great. Which thirty minutes? Oh, I don't know. Which days? Oh, I don't know. Pick、yeah. one. You gotta make yourself okay. On、yeah. Tuesdays and Thursdays and Saturdays at nine a.m.,、mm-hmm. I'm going to read for thirty minutes. Yes, because as we say, someday is not a day of the week. I think that's important because you're eliminating the ambiguity of when and how to perform. So if you read your 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 fifty pages at lunch every day for three months. The next lunch break, you will automatically read without having to decide、yes. whether to do it. Like for me, running is always done between five thirty and six thirty. Okay. So my body automatically says, "Okay, Leo, it's time to go for a run." So I don't even have to. Th- it goes back to what you were saying earlier, Andrew. We don't have to. It's the the effort to decide whether we want to do it or not.、Mm-hmm. First, not you decide、option. to do it, and then. Because this is the thing about human nature. There's always a reason not to do something. Yes. There's always that we can create any reasons we want. And but once you start in the habit, when you don't do it for one day or maybe two days, because、yeah. we're all human and we miss one day or two, I feel bad about myself. Yeah. Versus when I had not started the habit and I didn't do it for a few days, I always just stayed positive. Oh, I'll do it tomorrow. I'll do it another day. Which again turned into tomorrow. Tomorrow never arrives, right? That's right. That's right. So <laughs> whereas now apply... I feel bad about myself if I miss a day. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So basically, Andrew, we we can apply these to all kinds of good habits, like running, reading, working on a side project, spending more time with your family, and、mm-hmm. just to wrap this up. Conversely, you can do the opposite for bad habits. So you can、oh. make them instead of making them obvious, you make them invisible. Good, I like that. Instead of making them attractive, you make them unattractive. <laughs> Instead of making them easy, you make them difficult. Good. Instead of making them satisfying, you make them unsatisfying. So, for example, if you want to quit smoking, how can you make how can you make smoking less obvious or more invisible? Get rid of your cigarettes.、That's、Put them、right. away. Throw them in the garbage.、Yeah. Add financial penalties,、anymore. right? Because money, right? Yeah, when it hurts your pocket, yeah. Allow only allow yourself to smoke outside in the cold. So you're、mm. like, oh, it's too cold. I'm not gonna go for, it. right? <laughs> yes. So I think、yes. that's that's the lesson for everyone here. So if you have any、um, any ideas on how you can make language learning a habit, we'd be happy to hear from you. Send、mm-hmm. an email at info at learnyourenglish.com. And we can also add this to the show notes. Absolutely, or we'll reply to one of the podcast posts on our Instagram page, and we can、mm-hmm. reply to you there as well at Learn Your English on Instagram. All right, Andrew, this was lots of fun, man. 
Okay, Leo, stay motivated. Yes, you too. See you next time. See ya. You've been listening to Teacher Talking Time, brought to you by Learn Your English. Ready to take control of your education? You're in the right place. Teaching, professional development, learning. Expand your world with Learn Your English.